the Colorado's most significant tributary starts high in the peaks of Wyoming's Wind River Range. Fed by snowmelt, the green flows from its Wyoming headwaters into Utah, bends quickly into Colorado before cutting its way back into Utah's canyon country. The green meanders 730 miles before meeting the Colorado and Utah. On its way, carving some of our country's most spectacular canyons, providing water for millions of acres of farmland, supporting endangered fish habitat, and delivering water for Americans across the Southwest. The story of the green is, in a word, complicated. There are many different uses and user groups who depend on the Green River. Telling the complicated tale of this river, including its past, present, and future, is a daunting task. Despite these challenges, Heather Hansman, environmental reporter and former raft guide, felt a unique pull to tell the story of the river from the seat of her pack raft, its threats, opportunities, and the intersection with its many users. In the summer of 2016, Heather paddled the entirety of the Green River, headwaters to confluence, providing a front row seat to how the Green moves, meanders, and provides. Earlier this spring, Heather's new book, Down River, made its way onto bookshelves and Kindles across the country. Down River tells the story of the Green, the challenges and opportunities facing the river, and the many communities and user groups that depend on the water from its source to the confluence with the Colorado. Join me, Faye Hartman, as I talk with Heather and learn more about the importance of the Green River and why she chose to explore and write about the Colorado's most significant tributary. I was a raft guide for a long time, so that sort of was my, a lot of my entry point to conservation and to thinking about water use comes from spending time in the river. Rivers have sort of been this like deciding force in my life in a lot of ways, and it's like framed up how I looked at resource use in a lot of ways. And I'd been thinking a lot about telling a story in some way about how all these different groups use water and how they fight about it and like what's gonna, what's potentially gonna happen. Um, and my agent, you know, I was like, okay, I want to write about how people fight about water. And she kind of was like, well, that's a concept, but that's not a book. You need a story. So I kind of decided that running the whole river was a way for me to really understand these this water use question that I've been toying with and also get back on the river in a really meaningful way. So that felt like sort of this like nexus of all these things that felt really important to me. And I got to do a really big, awesome river trip to make it happen. That was Heather Hansman, fearless author and adventurer. Part of the audio you'll hear during this podcast was recorded on the banks of a river trip in 2018, while on the last day of an American Rivers trip on the green with Chums, one of our proud corporate partners. The other half was recorded by phone just after the release of Down River in the spring of 2019. I first met Heather at an Airbnb in Moab, Utah, the night before the start of our chum-sponsored raft trip through Desolation and Gray's Canyon. Fifteen or so of us gathered in the living room as Dean from Oars described the scenic flight we'd be taking in the morning to get us to Sandwash, the put-in for our five-day adventure. Very few of us knew each other in advance of that trip, and needless to say, the first night in the house felt formal. Little did we know that in less than 24 hours, we would be forever connected by the magic of the Green River. River enthusiasts often say, rivers connect us. 
Heck, it's even part of the subtitle of this podcast. This trip down the green was a true reflection of this connection and action. It took less than one day on the river, which was unseasonably cold and rainy, for walls to come down and trip members to start bonding. Being on the river and having space and time in a casual setting with people is this really organic way to just start talking about things. Like, that's one of the coolest things I think about river trips is that you're just kind of like, you have to move at the pace of the river. So you can't force it and you can't kind of cop out. But I think also, like, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about, and it's hard to quantify. But I think that there is this sort of, like, emotional connection that people feel to rivers that they might, you know, when you talk about groundwater, it's, like, less it's less sexy and less engaging. And I think that there's something that people, you know, when you've spent time on a river, if you have some kind of personal connection, there is this sort of, like, visceral, emotional want to sort of protected and feel connected to it that you might not have about something that you haven't experienced. And I think that having that time, being out in a place and being connected to that place, I think makes people think about it much differently. I mean, I think a lot about David Brower and um, Echo Park and the dam that was going to be there. And he sort of threw all of his energy into that because he had spent time on that river and had been there and had been like, no, this is this beautiful place that we need to protect. There can't be a dam there. And that sort of experience that he had on that river then drove conservation and sort of like shaped what American conservation looked like in a lot of ways. And that came from being on the river and like having that concrete experience. I think that can be super, super powerful. Not only did Desolation Canyon bring this group of 15 participants and five guides together, but it also was the site of Heather's first overnight raft trip in the West. And it was the reach her parents joined her during her source to confluence exploration of the green. The first big Western river trip I ever did was Desolation Canyon, where we are now. And so that was sort of a tipping point for me and and looking at rivers differently. Um, And then the last time I came through Desolation Canyon and Great Canyon, I did that trip with my parents. And that was really cool to be able to like take them on a boat through this place that like feels really important to me and to get to spend five days just like sitting in camp with my mom. Like that doesn't, I don't get to do that very often. And that, yeah, that was really super special. We have to think about rivers as rivers and like the value of them on their own merits and free-flowing river and habitat and a place that we can go be. But it's also that sort of like a, narrow-minded way of looking at it because it also is a water resource and it also is like people we need to eat we need water in cities we need things coming out of our tap um so that is all connected and i think the green because it is sort of at the top of that system if we take care of that and protect it we can use it all the way down like along the whole river and the bigger picture so i think it's like doing a good job of being i don't know if stewards is exactly the right word but making sure that we're getting as much value as possible out of that river across the board, then it carries, like, you know, carries through to a lot of places. While her primary solo adventure is the backbone of Downriver, Heather thoughtfully weaves together the story of her trip with the many different challenges, threats, and successes facing the Green River today. The way she intertwined her adventure story with more traditional water reporting makes this book accessible to the everyday reader, something she says was on purpose. I wanted to write a book that I wanted to read that actually felt, you know, like you could follow the story. And it wasn't just the history of this dam and this dam and here was the political fight. Like I wanted it to be a little bit more lively and real. 
I want this stuff to not be boring. I want it to be something that like, you know, like my college friend who like maybe has been rafting once or something like that can pick up and like actually be interested by and isn't just like their eyes are rolling back in their heads. I think I got lucky because I think having the river trip makes it a little more juicy and a little more actually like engaging and actionable. And you're asking like, how do you make it sort of less wonky and more uh, like approachable? And I think that was part of like breaking down all the acronyms and all the government agencies and all the kind of CSS, Acrefeet, all those sort of like, like you need to speak the language to be able to understand that. I think that was a really hard thing for me to kind of break through initially and trying to figure it out. So I think being like being able to sort of be like, okay, what is this? What is the CFS? What does that actually mean when you're on the river? I think that was like one of the things that I was trying to do because I think the concepts, the concepts are a lot easier to understand if you don't have to sit with all the jargon. And I think also like having, I think in trying to write about climate change or water or any of these like sort of big picture, slow moving, you know, like global national issues that also have local, you know, like local ties, it can be really hard to like wrap your hands around it and sort of try and it's easy to kind of tune it out because it's so big. And I think that's, like trying to give people a line in and trying to give them a character or like some sort of connection point and being like, okay, this is how this actually impacts me. And this is what this actually means. It's kind of having that sort of something you can actually, something tangible to hold on to. Telling the story of the Green River, including what's required of the river today, how it's managed and the issues facing it in an interesting and approachable way is not an easy feat. The water world is a daunting, jargon-filled community that feels intimidating to novice and experts in the field. But by doing this, she's able to better illustrate the challenges and opportunities to her readers, helping them to understand why they should care about the green and rivers in general. I guess I sort of had a framework going in of the different groups who use water, and I started, I talked to, to ranchers, to city water managers in Rock Springs and Green River. I talked to people who operate the dams. I talked to fish biologists, rafters, tribes, people working in oil and gas. And the, the biggest overarching threat of the whole thing um, and sort of the framework for the whole thing was is the Colorado River Compact and basically the idea that on that river um, there's more water allocated than actually exists and how everyone who kind of has these built-in, you know, has water rights or has allocations is working within that system to try and conserve and then also to try and kind of make sure they don't get screwed over and that they get their fair share. Um, and I really, I was really interested in sort of how people approach that on an individual level. So I really wanted to go and kind of talk to real people who lived in that world to see how they felt about that, like wh- where they felt threatened, where they felt like they were, could and couldn't work with people who are different than them. And, um, and I guess what felt like a real, I sort of, of it, I kind of had an idea of what I thought the conflict points were going to be, but I wanted to see for real. I have a section that's sort of about like the future changes, but, um, those were oil and gas, climate change and tribal water rights. And I think those are all really big variables and what this river is going to look like going to the future. And I was sort of. I think there were, those weren't things that I hadn't necessarily considered going in, but those weren't things that I'd really prioritized, and they became much bigger things in the reporting and writing and talking to people. And so those, what's going to happen in those potentially volatile worlds, I think was surprising and interesting and still feels like a big question. Despite the challenges facing the Green and other tributaries in the Colorado River Basin, there's much to be hopeful for. 
Many of the looming threats and challenges have spurred significant cooperation among different user groups in the Green River Basin and beyond, helping to conserve, protect, and restore the Green, the Colorado, and other critical tributaries in the basin. River management and the Green River and beyond is shifting to a we-are-all-in-this-together approach and putting in the hard work to find compromises and agreements that benefit all users, ensuring great success. I feel like one of them is how much sort of collaborative work was already happening. Everyone was really trying within the framework of like their world and what their priorities were, everyone was sort of trying their hardest to be smart about water and like think to the future. And that looked really different in different places, but I think that was really true. Figuring out water use in, on the green in particular and then in the whole Colorado River Basin is gonna be a lot of sort of like micro consensus work in a lot of places. And kind of seeing that that's already in play, there's already people kind of talking about how to figure out water markets and kind of changing the way people use and think about water. It's gonna be really, really, really hard, but there are some places where I saw people who are really thinking about how to be creative about what they're doing now and how they like how it's potentially gonna change in the future. Reaching consensus in water management requires all stakeholders at the table to consider other water users' needs and rights when identifying solutions. Collaborative negotiations are not easy, but they lead everyone toward being able to commit to doing the hard work to develop and prove solutions that can work across multiple stakeholders and ultimately for the health of the river. Taking the time to sort out the challenges and opportunities rather than simply projecting simplistic, one-sided solutions allows everyone to participate and frame the necessary solutions. Heather noted that in order for success to occur, all stakeholders need to think outside the box in a creative, collaborative, and compromising way that considers all uses of water. Getting in that headspace where you're like, wow, I have nothing in common with this person. They're coming at it from a totally different perspective than I am, but they're not wrong. Like they have their priorities and their intentions are totally valid too, and we're just coming at it from... And I think with water, like it's people's livelihood. It's like we actually need it to live so people get really heated and really defensive about it. And I think that that's a lot of like what I saw was getting in those places where you could get people in the same room or like where I could go and talk to a rancher in northern Wyoming that I have nothing in common with and sort of like hear their perspective and hear how they were thinking about it. Like that is this incredibly valuable but really hard thing to do where you're like – and I think that's sort of one of the big challenges in all of this is like – being like, yes, we have to hold weight, like let all of these sort of different priorities hold weight and try to figure out how to use them all together, even if they are at odds. And I think it's actually a really interesting time to think about that stuff right now with the DCP and with the, like the green designated as wild and scenic. And I think a lot of these sort of political shifts that are happening right now aren't necessarily something that everybody is totally happy with. Like, I don't think anyone feels like they got everything they wanted out of that, but it has, people have been able to come to consensus and there has been some collaboration. Early 2019 had a number of collaborative successes for both the Green River and the greater Colorado River Basin. This spring, the long-awaited drought contingency plans, also known as the DCP, was finalized by the seven Colorado River Basin states, passed by Congress and signed into law. 
The DCP is comprised of two separate yet coordinated plans for the upper and the lower basin that work collectively to better manage the shifting Colorado River system. The plans are complex, but were developed to prevent an immediate water crisis by incentivizing water conservation while preserving existing uses and rights, agriculture, and the environment. The Green River itself had a tremendous success in 2019 when portions of the Green River through Desolation Canyon were designated as a wild and scenic river as a part of the John Dingle Conservation Act. For many years, stakeholders in the area disagreed on how the Green River and its surrounding lands should be protected and managed. However, cooperation and a firm belief that the Green River is an incredibly wild and scenic place that deserves to be permanently protected, guided people to come together, work through an incredibly delicate and complex process, and delivered protection for this amazing landscape. This was a huge win for the Green and the many users that depend on the river, both upstream and down. For those who haven't experienced the green firsthand, it can be more of a challenge to connect to the place, the issues, and the experience. However, Heather's book breaks down these barriers by giving the river and its users a face, a name, and individual stories. People often like to say that the landscape can speak for itself, and that's generally true. But in this case, the landscape is also inherently intertwined with the people who reside there, some across many generations. Yeah, and I think it is, um, like, it's hard to care about things that you don't care about. Like, it's hard to want to protect or feel like you need to, especially right now, where it feels like there's so many sort of, like, environmental, political threats to land and resources and that kind of thing. Um, And so I think... I mean, I think a lot about, especially in this book, about making that river and that place feel sort of concrete and giving people an emotional connection to it. And I think part of that is talking about, like, finding characters and talking about the people who use it and what their lives are actually like day to day. Because it's really hard to explain what being on a river trip is like and what being in that canyon is like without sounding totally cheesy and fluffy and overwrought. But I think that having that trying to really paint a picture of what it looks like and what we would stand to lose feels like something that I really want to do and to give, you know, like kind of give people a line in and a window in to get a sense of what, like what's really at stake and what that means for the place and the people. Connecting people, whether it's in person or through thoughtful storytelling, is the most important key to encourage protecting places like the Green River. For Heather, her adventure down the green was the ultimate connection, seeing every eddy and turn of the river. Not only did her trip allow her to understand the river and the opportunities and challenges facing it in a more concrete way, but it also shed light into her own capabilities as a female solo adventurer. It was like one of the coolest things that I've ever done. And having that sort of like you get into the zone where you're by yourself and you're running the show and you know what you're doing is like one of the best feelings. There were some days when I was kind of by myself on the river where all I had to do was paddle and eat food and set up camp, write and think. Being able to be out there and in the, you know, like by myself sitting on some weird beach, you know, what does this actually look like? 
what am I feeling right now? Having that sort of space and time without distraction is something that feels so rare and so hard to get. So I'm like really grateful. And some of the things that I wrote in those places are like some of my favorite parts. Regardless of our ability to set out on an adventure like Heather did, we all have stories to share about the important rivers and places in our lives. Every river and stream, from the wild green to your backyard creek, is an important part of a local watershed. It's our duty as enthusiasts to share our stories to illustrate the importance of protecting and restoring rivers across the country. Yeah, I mean, I think... The first step is education and like fighting through that. And it takes a little bit of a fight to get through that. Like, okay, what does this water policy stuff mean? What does wildlife mean? What does that actually mean? I think part of it is knowing what's going on with the places that you care about. Thinking about like, I've been thinking about this a lot and like going and doing book tour stops and that kind of thing. Like, okay, what are the local water issues in Denver or in San Francisco or, you know, in Salt Lake? And sort of having a sense of that. And I think that that is a really good place to start is sort of that education piece and then kind of looking at, okay, are there political threats to what's going on? Is there a way I can get involved in even if it's like a river cleanup or like a local group that's doing like the, you know, there's like a festival on the Yamper River. If you live locally there, can you go to that and see what's going on? And then kind of taking it small scale and then blowing it out to the big picture. Because I think if you take it as a whole, it feels really, really overwhelming. So I think starting, starting small and local and caring about what you actually care about, I think is a really good place to start. Downriver does so much more than just describe water challenges in the Colorado Basin along the Green River. It shares the stories, the faces, and the characters of the river. It paints a true picture of the green, including the many successes and opportunities that lay ahead. The Desolation Canyon trip, where I first met Heather, was a true demonstration of the power of a river. The connections that were made with the place, the people, and the spirit of the river were all truly magical. Rivers are a source of adventure. They're rooted in our culture and history. They provide a space for solitude and, of course, are a great opportunity for fun. Making time to connect with a river, whether they flow through cities, along pastoral landscapes, or in the wild like the green through Deso Gray, is worth its weight in gold. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Rivers, conversations about the rivers that connect us. Please take a moment to rate and comment on your podcast listing device of choice, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. This provides new listeners with the opportunity to learn about us. Thank you for listening. 